0: If you want to make your point, think about stories from your life or role models that you follow and why, or your favorite books or movies and why those are important to you and tell those stories to people so they get a glimpse inside who you are.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. Hi everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have an incredible gentleman joining us today. His name is Jason Harris. He's an entrepreneur, marketer, best-selling author, and speaker. Now, he's been the co-founder and CEO of an award-winning creative agency called Mechanism, co-founder of Creative Alliance, a nonprofit dedicated to bring companies together and create pro bono work for nonpartisan initiatives. Now, at Mechanism, he's worked closely with iconic brands you might have heard of, Peloton, Alaska Airline, Ben & Jerry's, okay Cupid and the United Nations and he created provocative campaigns that engage audiences his marketing approach is studied in cases at the Harvard Business School now he's been named with his agency as the best places to work agency A list creativity's creative 50 and so many more where he has been profiled on New York Times Fast Company etc with 20 plus years in the advertising industry Harris has been named top 10 most influential social impact leaders he's made it to the 100 who make average. Advertising great. This is going to be one of my most exciting conversations because he just recently published a book in 2019 called The Soulful Art of Persuasion. We're talking about persuasion and is it an evil word? Is it a necessary evil? Or has it always been misinterpreted? What are the right ways to do it? And he is the man to speak about it. Jason Harris, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Jason.
1: Now, we're talking persuasion. It's such a fun topic. I mean, for me, selling is the word that I usually go for. And you go here for persuasion. So I'd love to hear what got you excited about writing this book, which kind of positions persuasion with soulful. Like, I wouldn't have seen that phrase together before.
0: Well, there was a Gallup poll that came out that basically my profession, I'm an ad man, and it had the least trustworthy professions in the U.S., The least trustworthy was politician, congressman. Then it was car salesman. And then it was advertising practitioner, which is me. And so I thought, well, that doesn't sound like me because I feel like I'm pretty trustworthy and it's not the way I've built my business. And I believe that people can be more influential and the way that I approach my business and the way I approach launching something and the way I approach all the brands that I work with Is not that way yes we have to persuade i have to persuade clients to buy the ideas that we come up with then we have to persuade the consumer that this product has something to stand for and that it's a soulful product that it's true to the core it's something that's useful for them and so at that level that's like under a microscope of persuasion i realized some of the techniques that i use to sell and that we then turn around and try to sell products and services to consumers, I don't feel like we do it in an untrustworthy or dirty way. I don't feel like I built my business in that way. And I feel like some of those techniques could be used for personal growth for people in everyday life. Because as we said, every day, all day long, we are influencing other people and we're persuading people. And that's just the way life is. And so the book's really based on a radical idea that persuasion isn't about facts and argument it's really about personal character and what persuades people is the person that's saying the thing or the brand that's saying the thing or your personal brand it's vital to become the kind of person that others want to agree with because of your personal character so to me part of being persuasive is being soulful i sort of break it into four different tenets it's a book for business and for personal growth.
1: I love it. Well, Jason, I'd love to go deeper on one thing, which is, you know, that survey came out and talking about admins being so low on this. What do you think is a kind of accepted norm in the industry that made it so that people find it totally acceptable to not necessarily be as that level of integrity that you seem to be operating at that would give them the rating that they had?
0: That's a good point. But I think the Sort of conventional wisdom is you're getting paid to deliver a service, and that service is to move units for your client. And you can do that in any means necessary. And you can sell people a bill of goods, or you could sell them the truth, and you can do it with integrity. And so I think there's a lot of nefarious activity in advertising that is just clickbait, or this thing's going to perform miracles for you. That definitely exists. I just don't subscribe to that.
1: So if I'm going to be someone that wants to like, because in everyday life, we have to persuade, right? Whether it's, you know, I want to get a raise at my work. I want to get my project off the ground. I want to hire my first employees. There's a level of persuasion that always needs to happen. So I'd be curious to know if I'm someone that needs to embrace persuasion, there must be some key attributes I must be focused on, or I must develop in order to do it a little more effectively. Could we touch on a bit of what that would look like?
0: Yeah, sure. So I sort of break the book into, there's 11 habits overall that make people more influential. They're focused on four basic principles that I sort of created. When I looked back, this isn't something that I started my career with writing down these principles. It's when I look back at my career and how I operate that I really stumbled upon these four different principles. And from those are different Habits. And I call them habits to become more influential because they are learned behaviors. Some of these principles might come naturally to you or to people listening, but some of them might be a learned skill. And so those four principles, and we can dive into them a bit, but I'll just do the top line. The four main principles are being original, which essentially comes down to really knowing yourself and always being yourself in every situation. The second is being generous and having a generous spirit and being willing to give things away and not expecting anything in return, which sounds counterintuitive for business and for life, but it really makes a big difference and I can expand on that. Empathetic, which is really making it about the other person. And if you're a brand making it about your audience, if you're looking for personal growth, it's about connecting with the person on the other side. And then soulful, which to me composes two main attributes, which is always learning new skills and then doing something greater than something that's for yourself, trying to give back in some way. And that to me creates soulfulness. And it's really about being an inspiration. And when you're an inspiration and you inspire other people, you then become more persuasive. So it's about. Original, generous, empathetic, and soulful. Those are my four main principles for how to be more influential and be a soulful persuader.
1: You know what I find interesting from this conversation, Jason, is that I feel like people who were listening to this were probably not expecting those four tenets those are so powerful. They make so much sense when you lay them out there. Yet, I feel like most people would be like, oh yeah, you need to understand how to manipulate people's greed and go for their sinful desires. Like I've heard literature around that, about how to convince people using the seven deadly sins and stuff. It seems like you've elevated your level of how you want to present ideas and persuade to a way that's so much more of higher consciousness. Now, I'd be curious to tap on the first one, which is the originality. I would say there seems to be a big tendency to actually copy what works. So how do you balance that need to be your own original self versus looking at the data of things that work and replicating that in the premise of running an ad or just being persuasive in general?
0: That's a good question. So being original to me, and I've read every business book under the sun, I was finding that, which sort of compelled me to write my approach to it, which is different. Even a classic like how to win friends and influence people, I feel like this is a more modern take on it because that is listening to your audience and it's trying to find connection points to your audience, but it does it in sort of a manipulative way. If this guy likes golf, I'm gonna talk about what I like about golf. Or if this person is into wine, I'm gonna act like I know something about wine. That to me is very disingenuous. And it's this mirror and matching technique in persuasion that I think is the opposite. I think it's the, you know, that Oscar Wilde famous phrase, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. Don't be afraid to wear your personal idiosyncrasies on your sleeve. And really that person, the connection point to another person is they want to know about you and they want you to tell them what makes you different than everyone else so that you can stand out. But it also creates a connection point in a different way where if I'm vulnerable and I tell you something about myself that maybe I might feel embarrassed or sheepish about, that's gonna allow you to tell me something about yourself. And we're gonna connect on what makes us unique versus what makes us similar. And so to me, being original is about connecting by opening up and telling people what you care about and what inspires you and what your values are. And so that's one tenet of being original. And another is this idea of being a good storyteller. And if you want to make your point, think about stories from your life or role models that you follow and why, or your favorite books or movies and why those are important to you and tell those stories to people. So they get a glimpse inside who you are. You're sort of opening the kimono a little bit. That's another part about being original. And then the final point in that sort of original idea is what I call never be closing, which is thinking about playing the long game, thinking about relationships and your network in the long term, not thinking from a transactional standpoint. If I pitch a client and I'm trying to win them over and they don't hire my agency or hire me, it's not necessarily a zero sum game where I'm like, okay, that didn't work out next. And I move on. I still invested time and energy into this brand or this person. And so I can keep that relationship going. I don't look at it as a no. I look at it as a no for now, but a relationship has been formed and made and it's on me to keep that relationship going and not let that relationship drop to zero and really connect with that person over time. And I think This transactional thinking is a lot of what you see in business books and books about persuasion, which is just trying to get the thing done. But life doesn't work that way. You know, life is long, your business is long, and your career can be long. And so you have to think about it in the macro.
1: Jason, I'm just loving everything you're preaching right now. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, we actually have a live audience here from the Mind Valley members. And of course, if you wanna tune in live, even get a chance to ask your questions, just go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. You might be able to join in, but the chat we're seeing here, I think everybody's resonating, which is giving me a feeling that everyone on the podcast is also having a great time. I wanted to poke at this a little because first off, I have so many more questions on all the other tenants as well. But on this one, the originality side, you talk about being more vulnerable, speaking about your truth and all these things. There's an element in me that kind of starts asking, is this considered number one, more risky? There's a part of me that feels like being this original feels more risky. And I'm also curious, I have a feeling a lot of the businesses you've worked with are very modern forward thinking type of businesses. And so I was going to ask, are there certain industries that this doesn't apply? Because I can just think of a really old traditional type of business where this might not work or is this working
0: there as well? You can't change it for who you're talking to. I think this is a path you have to be on and be consistent with and stick to it. And it might not be for everyone. You know, you might be too vulnerable or you might reveal too much to someone, but then it wasn't meant to be anyway, I think. But even employees that we have at the company, you know, we want people to come to work fully themselves and not their work self and at home they're something else. We want you to bring your full self to work. And I expect people to bring their full selves to the clients that they're working on and the clients that they're working with. And so I don't think it's a switch back and forth or toggle based on the client you're talking to. It's too hard for the brain to think that way. And it's much easier to let go and let your real personality come through and shine through. Yeah, it doesn't always work out. It might not connect with someone else, but the majority of the time, you're gonna build a much stronger connection that way. And you're gonna be memorable. People will remember your idiosyncrasies They're not going to remember that you wanted to act like you were just like them or you had the exact same experience that they did. They want to know your unique story because stories light people up. And when they hear your personal story or your journey, that's the connection point.
1: Love it, Jason. At the same time, I can just imagine that when you go through this approach, you have some awareness of your own values. You will resonate with the kind of companies and clients that have the same values so you'll be at the right place you probably don't want to do business with the companies that wouldn't resonate with that i would think this translates perfectly for anybody looking for a job being clear on your own values to be able to go work for the companies that have the similar values so you know you're going to have a place that has alignment with yourself
0: and you know what one thing people don't do jason is actually write down their values they think they mm-hmm. know their values and they think they know what makes them tick or what their center of gravity is or their north star But you really have to do the exercise of almost thinking about a life brief and what's important to you and write those things down so that you know them and you contemplate them and you think about them. You can't just go around without doing a little bit of that work. You you really have to think about that. Do
1: you find your values more in the good times or the bad times? Because I feel like all my core values came through the times I was going through the mud.
0: (laughs) I think you can find them in both, but they get tested during the hard times yeah and they really do and i've certainly gone through those myself and i think that's when you really have to stand strong to those values and prop them up and stick with them you know that's how life is life is a roller coaster right it's up it's down business is the same way
1: love it Hey everybody that listens to Superhumans at work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions and at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mindvalley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mindvalley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mindvalley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com. Forward slash I want to step into this second principle here when you're talking about being generous in everything that you're doing to be more persuasive. Now, if you go into more spiritual realms like here at Mind Valley, obviously, we embrace a lot of this. And I can just think of a person like Joe Vitale quoted that you can never outgive the universe, which is more of like a law of attraction application of this principle. I'd be curious to dig more because in marketing and advertising, particularly, it seems like, okay, everything I'm running, I've run ads on Facebook ads, and it's like dollar in, dollar out, measure everything. How does it work differently in the way that you present persuasion and how effective has it been?
0: When you're talking about persuasion and generosity, you know, personal growth, I think this idea, this is something, by the way, that I started at the beginning saying some of these will be natural to people and some of them won't. Having a generous mindset was not natural to me. That's not the way I was wired. I may have been wired to be myself or tell stories like that. Yes. But when I started in business, I was not a generous person. I would think about my contacts and keep them close to my best or projects I was working on, I wouldn't tell people about. I was much more closed off than sort of open as a person. And I really thought about this idea that quote is such a good quote, but this idea of giving something away at every interaction. And when you cross paths with someone, trying to leave them just a little bit better off than before you cross paths with them, because it makes you persuasive and memorable and people will gravitate towards you if you do that. That was a learned behavior for me that had to become habitual because I had to think that way and really do that in a way where I would just always think about someone else. And now I do it so habitually that if I'm like buying a record, buying a book, reading an article, I will think about who else in my network would love this book or that could use this. If I read an article that I find interesting, who else, instead of just like posting it on social for everyone to see, I might do a one-to-one text or forward or whatever, to have that person know that I'm thinking about them and I know that they collect stamps and I read something about it. Or they love snowboarding and I read this interesting article, I'm going to send it to them. And so I'm always thinking about the network and people that might become top of mind. And when you give things away, it doesn't have to be a book or an album or whatever. It doesn't have to be things. It can be ideas. It can be contacts. It can be advice. It's also making space for people when they reach out to you That's a generosity of spirit with your time, which is a precious resource, but it's not blowing people off and being selfish. It's really about carving out space to give. And when you give things like that, and you're a generous person, I'm not sure how you measure it. I don't know the performance for it, the data, but I know that that reciprocity comes back a hundredfold through your success. And it's impossible to know one-to-one how it's measured, I just know that it works.
1: I feel you with this one big time and I love that answer. You feel good, it makes people around you feel good and business seems to be attractive. There's a lot more people that wanna do business with you and everything is like, wow, you naturally become attractive because you're such a giving soul and thus you become more persuasive in the process. Did I get that right?
0: That's right, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about this simple book, The Giving Tree. Oh, I
1: haven't read that one.
0: This is a Shell Silverstein book, the classic. But it's basically about a tree and a boy. And the boy grows up to be an old man. And the tree's always giving everything away to the boy. So he can like build a house. He's letting him swing on the tree. And as he ages, the boy into an old man, the boy's always taking and the tree's always giving. And the tree's always happy. And the boy sort of has a miserable life and never finds happiness. And I just love that simple story. That's my interpretation of the book. There's a lot of other interpretations of it. But to me, it's the best path for persuasion and influence and happiness is having a generous spirit. I love this idea of
1: generosity. Like so far, this is amazing. Like, this is what I think everybody's been wanting to hear around persuasion. And yeah. I'm glad that you're beating the drum on this. And I'm so happy that I get to be a part of magnifying this because I think it needs to be heard. You go into the third step talking about empathy. And that's probably the last thing that people assume persuasion is about. So dig in deeper about here. Where does the empathy play?
0: Yeah. So, empathy to me is this idea of, I think people as a culture, I think we've become more. Empathetic, we have gravitated that way versus only thinking about ourselves and being sort of single minded. And you know, in America, we're an individualistic society. I mean, from living in Florida, I guess the good thing
1: about Florida here is that it's just five minutes away from the U.S. border.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Apparently,
1: it's a different animal, but I couldn't. It is, tell. A,
0: it is a different animal, I would say. But you know, we live in this society where we are really only thinking about ourselves. And I think in business and in your personal life to be more influential, you know, there's a couple of tenets underneath empathetic, which is make it about the other person, develop a natural curiosity about others, listen to them, seek to understand them more deeply on a deeper level, which takes patience and practice. But it's similar to the generous idea. When you do that, you build those relationships in the network. And I think the other thing that I've learned in my career is to seek out collaborations and find value in joining forces with other people. And it's not about taking the credit. It's about the unit did it, the collective did it. It's about collaboration and the payoff for that and how fast you can grow and how much you can succeed by collaborating is much much more intense and faster than than trying to do it all on your own. I mean, I had a business I have partners now in Mechanism, but I started with another business before where it was just me. And I did everything from the ideas, the production, the invoicing, the pitching. And after a year, I was so sick and fatigued and worn out that I really had nothing left to give. And by having partners and collaborating, why our agencies name named this word Mechanism, it's not named, you know, Harris means and Caven, or it's not named after the individuals. It's about the whole group collaborating. So that's a form of empathy is seeking out collaborations, making about other people. Also seeing commonalities, not differences. And that is different than trying to act like you connect with someone because of a shared interest. It's understanding that as humans, you know, we're ninety-nine point nine percent. The same DNA. So there's 0.1% that makes all of us different. And as humans and in the human condition, we strive for the same things. And we really see the world and we have very similar interests. Of course there's like the one-off crazy folks that might try to do damage to people, etc. But I'm talking about as a whole, we are not that different. We are very similar. And so going in with that mindset versus This divisive mindset that we can't find common ground or we're coming at things so differently, especially in the political climate, I think is really important.
1: There's a people from around the world on this call too. We get to see what's going on in America. And for Americans, we definitely feel for you guys, especially with the divide going on. So we're hoping bridges get built. And I think with the mindset that you're teaching here about people building on that empathy is so key. I'd love to just kind of give it a turnaround here, which is, you know, some people might be listening to this going like, yes, okay, this is great. I'd love to persuade that way. But on the far side, is there a way that you could take this too far? Like being so generous, you don't have a single penny left. Being so empathetic, you're trying to give attention. Like someone that is not going to pay you, you decide to give them all your time and now you run out of time. Like, How do you manage constraints while you're trying to be so giving?
0: That is such an awesome question and such a great point. And I think that is for the individual person and the individual listener here to determine what their comfort level is. But you also know when you keep trying and it's not going anywhere and it's time to give up. You also have to be generous to yourself. You know, you also have to make sure you are generous to yourself and you cut yourself some slack and you give yourself time to do things that you want and to focus on yourself. It's a hard dance, but you can't lean so far into this generosity of spirit and em- empathy for others that you don't have empathy for yourself and you're not generous with your time. So it's a, definitely a dance. There's no formula specifically. You have to balance it. And you have to know when you got to cut people out. If people are not helping you and they're toxic and they're persuading you or influencing you in a negative way about yourself or about others, you got to be strong enough to cut them off and not have them in your life.
1: What I love the most of what you just said there is exactly about how to be generous and empathetic with yourself which is what I think a lot of people might forget if they're really into that empathetic side. And uh, I got to love the Valley community. We had like Alejandro Cano, as well as Erezza Carter already speaking about boundaries in the chat, which I think is right on with what we're talking about here. Which brings us to this final tenant you mentioned, this whole soulful person. We've covered the original, the generous and the empathetic. Let's wrap it up with the soulful here. How do we embody this in our persuasion methods?
0: This is critical. And I think this is the thing that makes the soulful persuasion part, where it's not just about persuasion, but there's sort of two principles under this idea. And one is that I call it skill hunting. This is good for your question, which is, how do you make sure that you're not over-indexing on other people that you forget about yourself? And one of the beliefs that I have is skill hunting, which is every two or three years, no matter your age, you need to add new skills to your arsenal and be proficient at a number of things that you've always wanted to pursue. Maybe it's photography or guitar or cooking or whatever it is, Bird watching it doesn't matter. The point is to try to add to your family life and your workload, do something for yourself and make it like a two or three year goal. I'm gonna focus on learning chess for the next two years and that's gonna be like, my extra thing that I do for myself. And when you add that skill hunting, and then maybe two years later, you're like, I'm going to pick up the bass guitar or I'm going to, I don't know, learn a foreign language. You collect these skills that really help give you confidence and make sure that you're spending your time and you're not saying, I always dreamed of learning Spanish or I always wanted to learn chess or I always wanted to, I don't know, go skiing and I never skied before, whatever it is. I think that's an important thing to add, but you don't put the pressure on being overwhelmed by it. For the next two years, three years, I'm gonna try to add on this other skill to my arsenal. And I think by doing that, you start to create a life defined by proficiency and other skills, but you also get to learn how to go through the suck. And you mentioned earlier, how many lessons you learn when you stick to your values during the rough patches. And going through the suck and learning a new skill is really good for the soul because you have to stick with something and you have to go through that part where I'd never cooked before. Like I'm in the cooking phase because it's good with quarantine and I cook two meals a week and I'm learning how to do it. When I started, my measurements were wrong. I sucked, I like undercooked things. I learned, uh, you know, now I'm getting fairly proficient at it, but I had to go through the suck and stick with it to get out the other side. So that's one aspect. And then the final aspect of Soulful is this idea of striving to be an inspiration in your daily life by doing one thing that is in service to other people. It's connected to skill hunting in that it's usually done because you have a certain skill that you can offer. So if you're Simple example, like if you're a math teacher, teach math for free one time a week to underprivileged kids. If you're a podcaster, try to give voice to a cause that you care about in whatever makes Jason tick, something you care about, climate change or homelessness. Maybe you work with some nonprofit to use your microphone to give it a voice. But it's taking whatever skill, whatever platform you have, to do something outside of yourself. And by doing that, and it seems self-serving, you're becoming an inspiration to other people because you're doing something that's more than for your own monetary gain, for your own pleasure, but it's doing something to help the world be a better place in whatever you determine that is. And that's about being soulful. That also makes you more persuasive and more influential by doing that.
1: Jason, this whole conversation was so amazing. Thank you for being so generous with your time and sharing these insights. I feel like you've played a bit of a trickery though, I'll be honest. And I think it's a great one because here you're talking about the soulful art of persuasion. I feel like a lot of people pick up this book Either are people looking to master themselves as persuaders, and they're maybe like hardcore persuaders, or they're people who resisted persuasion and then pick up this book to kind of learn, oh, this might be one that resonates. But I truly feel that what you've developed is actually going to be a path that teaches people how to live an amazing, authentic, brilliant life that's really sold a line. And I think you just integrate persuasion into being a necessary skill that we have it because we're always interacting with other people. And I think your principles just lead to an amazing, honest, great life journey in the process and persuasion just becomes one of those tools in your back pocket. Did I
0: get this right? I mean, I think you got that right, but it's also true though that these character building principles have the effect of making you persuasive and making you influential and making you successful. Like they amazing. are attributes that work. It's not just trickery so that people become better. <laughs> it also has the end goal of persuading and making people successful because I've seen it firsthand.
1: A lot of the campaigns you've worked on, would you be the type that makes one of these brilliant campaigns that make me cry at the end of it?
0: I mean, sometimes we try. So. <laughs>
1: I love those. No. Guiltily German love campaign, those.
0: German vaccine campaign coming out next week. I hope does that because we're targeting the, in the US at least, there's 30%. Of the population that won't get vaccinated, and we don't have to go into an anti-vax debate or not, but we're trying to get people over that hurdle so we can reach our immunity and get back to our way of life. The campaign's trying to persuade people. It's called Made to Save, and it's trying to persuade people of what things in their life they can get back to and they can save through getting
1: vaccinated. That's really cool. Jason, thank you once again for your time. For everybody tuning in, definitely pick up a copy of The Soulful Art of Persuasion, the 11 habits that will make anyone a master influencer. Not only is it going to make you highly successful and persuasive, it's also going to make you live a beautiful, aligned life. I love every single one of these principles. I'm definitely picking up a copy of this. And, matter of fact, any of you who are listening in right now, if you send me a direct message on Instagram, I'm going to ask you to leave me a review. And if you do, I'm going to give away one of these books. I'm going to buy two and make sure someone else gets a copy. I just want to embody what you're teaching, man. This is just good stuff for everybody tuning in. Thank you so much. We went through these four major tenets in the book that the book goes so much deeper in, but really you want to persuade, don't be afraid to be original be giving. The generosity just comes back. Empathy, that is the key, as well as being a soulful person where you keep nurturing new skills and you see how you can serve the world. When you do this, you'll realize that you are a magnet that stores energy and become more persuasive in the process, successful in the process. And of course, there's so much more to pick up in the book. So definitely go deeper into your research. Once again, Jason Harris, thank you so much for being on the show. This was incredible.
0: Thank you so much, Jason.